Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, thank you for the introduction there, Eddie. It certainly is that time of the week where myself, Ollie Gill, and Australia's third favourite son, Mark Arnold Schwarzer, like to sit down, break open a bottle of the Burgundy Grape, a nice bottle of red wine, and then we'll talk about all the comings and goings in the world of football, European football, Premier League. Uh, and then at the end of the episode, we'll compare that bottle of wine to a player, past or present. And Mark, it's a, I'm personally slightly excited uh, for you, really, uh, going into this episode, because I don't remember if... Uh, at the end of last week's episode, I promised you that I would have a special wine, a wine that you like to do, which is, of course, the mix between a, a nice red and a, a lemon Fanta, uh, yeah. a Spanish you know, a, a, a tradition. I'm not sure if there is the right word, but certainly a, a popular drink in Spain. And I've got it. No way. I've got it. Yep. You found, you found lemon Fanta? It's quite prominent in Bermuda, apparently. It's, Fantastic. I think it's just hot countries then. Clearly, they've gone, I know what fizzy drink we need and the verdict it's bloody good it's 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 more like a sangria than i thought because i also read the recipes online and they said to garnish it you know with a bit of fruit or whatever as well so yeah you can now more like a yeah like a sangria yeah it's more of a basic version of it but it's it's uh it's very drinkable particularly when it's really hot um yeah so yeah are you in the perfect place for it and fantastic you know it's brilliant that they've got lemon fanta because that that's the key I think it's just what turned me off. It sounded like, you know, when some people get a really nice scotch and then mix it with a bit of Coke, right? And it's yep. just been like, come on, buddy. Um, I think in my head, that's what it's like, well, if you've got a perfectly good bottle of wine, just have the wine. Why are you putting, you know, lemon Fanta in it? But the, then when it's had the feeling of a sangria, it went, ah, yeah. So I've gone for the, the traditional Tinto di, Tinto di Verano, the, the red wine with lemon Fanta. What have you gone for this week, Mark? Well, I've gone for a, a very interestingly named wine, uh, Mount Difficulty, Roaring Thanks. Meg Pinot Noir 2019, Central Otago, New Zealand wine. I just uh, like the name. Yeah, Mount Difficulty. Yeah. Do you, is that based off how hard it is to climb up, do we think? or? Um, I don't know. It yeah. just... I really liked it. Uh, I liked the name of it and it, uh, it drew me to it. And I thought difficulty. There's a few players that were difficult to be around, to yeah. play with, um, managers as well. So yeah, it kind of like straight away went, oh, yeah, I'll have, a, I'll have a number of people I could add to that one. And it's also, they're, they're almost getting you, it's like a challenge almost. Yes. The, no, the word right. difficulty, you're like, well, is it? You know, I'll be the judge of that. Exactly. No, exactly. So this one's packed. Red fruity flavors, raspberry, red cherry, a hint of spice. Um, and then they say it's perfect with a glazed ham or rustic duck. Um, mm, a rustic kisselet. duck? Yeah, Kesselet. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, duck. Yeah, so it's a, it's a grown-up wine. I love it already. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. You can't wipe the smile off your face. Well, on that note, cheers, Mark. Cheers. Okay, let's get stuck into the footy. And as always, considering we record on the Monday, it just makes perfect sense to look back on Sunday's game. Uh, z- <laughs> games there, Mark. There was a few talking points. We messaged at the end of uh, games, uh, the, the day's play. And look, some of the games were a little bit of a letdown on Sunday. I think we can be the first to say that there were, there were a couple of fizzes uh, and we'll get to them. But let's start with Fulham Watch. We're officially on the clock, as we, has, we have been really for the past three weeks. We're on Fulham Watch now. They get yep. another point. Probably should have beaten Crystal Palace in that nil-all game. Um, but they just don't look like they're in the mood to lose. Yeah, Palace were really poor. I think they had three shots in the whole game, none on target. They had one corner. 
They had 41% at Crystal Palace. So Fulham obviously are more of a ball-playing team these days. They had 13 shots, only four on target. That's what let them down in the end. And that's pretty much what's let them down um, all, all season. You know, the ability to, to, to score goals. And, you know, any team that struggles to score goals, um, you're, you're an uphill battle to stay in the league. That goes without saying. Um, they need to be rocket science to work that one out. Um, and Fulham has been pretty much that. They've been great to watch at times. They've been on a really good run recently, but they just haven't won enough games. And uh, I, I looked at the remaining fixtures and, and they probably need to win five games to have a chance to stay in the league. I could see maybe three. I just can't see them getting uh, any other wins elsewhere. Um, you know what? Teams have done it in the past. They've, they've thrown in some surprises. But if you look at the teams that got left, Tottenham, Liverpool, Man City, Leeds United, Aston Villa, Wolves, Arsenal, Chelsea. That, that, that's in, in chronological order. That's a tough run. That is incredibly tough. And then, then they've got Burnley, Southampton. Um, and then they've got Man United and a Newcastle. They could win. Um, is, is, is Burnley at home, Southampton away, and Newcastle at home. But mm. could. There's no guarantees there either. So they're going to have to, they're going to, have to pull up two major upsets and still win those three games and still do really well in those three games to have any chance of staying in the league. A bit of a favourite uh, here in the two sharp reds has been Josh Madger. Uh, could, should have, he had a really good opportunity actually against Crystal Palace. But how much do you think that he's changed the, I don't know, what's the word, enthusiasm almost of that, of that attacking force? Yeah. At he, listen, he's young, he's mobile. Um, you know, he clearly gets into the right spots. He scored two on his, on his full debut, which was, which was massive for them. Uh, something that they so desperately needed. But is it too little, too late? Is he prolific enough to keep them up you know he needed to score on the weekend he needed they needed to win that game on the weekend that would then obviously the pressure would have been enormous on Newcastle there'd be equal points of them at the moment Newcastle have still got a bit of breather see I, I see Newcastle of getting themselves out of it you know Steve Bruce has an enormous amount of uh, you know um, experience in the Premier League and I also think Newcastle's just got that little bit more of an X factor in their side um, the ability to, to win games out of nothing. And I know they're on a horrendous run, but I think on the weekend, their result against, against Wolves was a very, very good one. Um, they should have won the game. You know, Alan, Alan Samaxima is another one. You know, he's one of the players, that, like I said, mentioned, that, that X factor. And I think, you know, John Joe Shelby can produce something magical. He just doesn't do it often enough. So Joel Willick's there as, Joe Willick's there as well. Um, and again, they need these guys to really start performing to get themselves out of the predicament they're in. Now, just uh, before we move on from Fulham, <clears throat> um, it's pretty clear that, that the players are still playing for, for Scotty Parker. But if they go down, what do you think? What's his future? Do you think it's, it's at Fulham once again? Yeah, I think they've completely committed to, to sticking with him. I've I got no doubt whatsoever. No matter what happens coming into the season, Scotty Parker will be the manager next season. Uh, the only thing will be if the start of the season comes and goes and, and they've got off to a bad start, then obviously he's under bang under, under an enormous amount of pressure because what they'll want is they'll want them to be there or thereabouts again the following season if the worst were to happen. Um, and the interesting thing, they're going to have a bit of a rebuild because they've got seven players on loan. So how many of those players will they actually keep? Probably none of them. Or maybe maybe the odd one or two, maybe. But then, you know, are they prepared to, to have that financial outlay? Are players prepared to stay if they're back in the championship? So, yeah, listen, I, I think it's a, a very interesting time for, for Fulham. You know, so much just hinges on them staying in the league. And, and a new and improved stadium, I mean, hopefully next season as well. It, it, That's looks, it looks great. I was there, I was there um, a week and a half ago and yep. uh, the building works has come, come along a lot, you know, and it's going to be really impressive. It's going to look really nice um, and it's going to add something, you know, again, already to a very, very special ground. But you promise, please, to, to me and, and Fulham fans out there that they're not going to. It's not ruining Craven Cottage. Please no. tell me that. No, it's not. Um, I actually think it's complementing it. I, I'm a fan of mixing the old with the new, and you know the Riverside Stand was neither here nor there. So it's not like yeah. it was a heritage listed building. Absolutely not. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to pull it down. It was. It, let's be honest. It was. It wasn't the best looking stand. Um, so now, the, you know, being able to knock it down and build a state-of-the-art with a hotel on it, uh, conference rooms, it's multifunctional. Um, it's going to have a pool, I think, that's on the hotel edge on the top, which is going to be amazing. There's a look over the Thames. 
Um, and it's going to complement particularly the Johnny Haynes stand and the cottage itself, even though they're on the other side of the pitch. But I think it'll look really nice. So moving on, uh, my boys, Arsenal, which reminds me, I got this out specially um, when op shopping the other day. Oh, wow. Were, so they, giving, were, they, giving, were they giving him away? <laughs> they, they paid me. Yes. Um, for those playing along at home, I've got a very nice, I don't even know what year it would, would, would be, but it's got the old O2 symbol on it and then little Arsenal badges printed throughout. It's a bloody nice shirt. Absolute um, favourite. Am I correct in saying that that's maybe not original? Uh, it is a knockoff, yes, correct. Yes, yes. But you know what's not a knockoff? These boots that I got. Oh, wow. Those, those boots are definitely made for walking. Wow. <laughs> nice uh, wow. Cuban heel, leopard print, Motley Crue numbers. But anyway, moving on uh, to the story that we, we should be focusing on, which was, of course, <laughs> Arsenal beating Leicester 3-1. Leicester go ahead first, and you're thinking, hmm, could be another slow day for Arsenal. And then all of a sudden, there was just a momentum that couldn't be shaken with Arsenal. And I tell you what, you must sit back, Mark, and go, that is one thing. If Mikel Arteta has done anything to this side, it's changed mentality. Though all of a sudden you think, okay, they are losing, but they've got the capabilities to work themselves back into a game, which is something that I feel like the Arsenal you know, haven't had for a long time. I about to say, I don't, I, I don't know. Someone, someone will have to correct me. I don't know. Well, tell me, when, when was the last time Arsenal actually came from behind like that? after going behind so soon in a game to win it and then win the game comfortably. I, I don't really remember. Mm-hmm. Um, so, listen, it's, a, it's, a, it's great, uh, it's great for, for Arsenal to see that. Arteta, Mikel Arteta, obviously, he's had highs and lows since he's been there already. They've had a roller coaster of a ride. And it's still going to be, I think, in the future, a bit of a roller coaster of a ride. I think it's still going to take time before he's able to really, you know, change the squad to, to how he wants it, ideally, you know, trying to, to you, know, bring, you know, bring in that mentality, that, that proper mentality of, of uh, what he's used to working as, as it was at Manchester City. Um, he's clearly someone who's is very, very much uh, um, focused on attention to detail, works, you know, incredibly hard in that, in that area. Pep Guardiola cannot say a bad word about him. Um, he, he loves him, doesn't about he? Him. It's oh, a bit like how you talk about me, isn't it? He absolutely raves about him, absolutely, <laughs> all day long. Um, amazing. I, listen, I just live vicariously, mate, from your little WhatsApp messages you send me and little videos. Let's not say any more. No. But I live vicariously. That's all I'm going to okay. say. Okay, fair enough. No, but I think you're spot on. Um, it's, it's an exciting time. But finally, I can say, and I'm so happy we can change the narrative here, William, he's had a good game in an Arsenal shirt. Because <laughs> we would always say since that first game at Fulham, at the start of the season, uh, that he played a bloody good game, and then other than that, he he's really oh, I don't remember the last time he's really um, <clears throat> certainly not put a string of two games together now where he's he's influenced and and he still needs a goal, but everything else he's doing is uh, is exciting. Yeah, I think I think it's a bit harsh to say it was only that first game against Fulham where he was actually excellent. I still think it was the first month or so that he was he was good for Arsenal. I thought he did a really good job for him. And yes, you're right, he did fall away dramatically, uh, struggled. Don't know why it's related to the team service. I don't know. I don't know. Him lacking confidence for whatever reason, down on form. Who knows? I really don't know. But yeah, listen, he's a, he's a quality player. Absolutely quality player. So it's good to see him back to playing really well again. And, and uh, hopefully it continues. Um, he's a really good pro, really good guy to have around. And uh, Arsenal, if you, if you can deliver that week in, week out, will only benefit from him. Put you on the spot here. Arsenal's next captain, Kieran Tierney or no? Um, maybe. Listen, maybe. It really depends. Um, I, I mean, I don't know a lot about him. Um, I, I hear he's a bit fiery. I hear he's on mm-hmm. the pitch at training. He's, he's pretty full-blooded at times. And that, I mean, that makes me wonder. I mean, Roy Keane obviously was like that and made a tremendous captain for, for Manchester United for all those years. So, listen, there's no, there's, there's no reason to say it can't work. Um, but that was then, and this is now. Can that kind of personality work today? As a maybe captain? that's what what would be good. What would be so good, you know, instead of having a flashy player that's you know in it for Instagram followers, yeah, you know, and having a real just tough nut in there, it might be a really good thing. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't, I don't think you know your your best player or your your most um, uh, flamboyant player necessarily makes a good captain. Actually, most times they don't actually make the best captain. I, you know, will it work today? That's the only question. Um, it comes about, I, I think also what's important is 
how much of a respect has he got within that change room? You know, how much do the other players around him respect him? Do they look at him just as a bit of a lunatic? You know, do they, do they respect him? Do they see him as someone that is a, is a, is a leader, somebody they look to, um, they'll, they'll look to follow if they need to look for instructions, not afraid. Uh, you know, if, if you're going to get a bit of an earful, how they react to it, there's a whole lot of things I think that can come into it. Um, but certainly, you know, he's a good player. He's certainly someone, obviously he's only been there for a short period of time. Um, be interesting over the next season or so what Mikel Arteta does in terms of the captaincy. I mean, I know at the moment Aubameyang is a captain. Is he the right type of personality to be captain for, for Arsenal? Oh, I don't know. Is it, is it more about really, you know, he's, he's, your, he's your top player. He's a, the main goal scorer. It was important to, to keep, you know, sign him on a new contract. And who knows, maybe it was a promised part of the deal of, of, of signing him that will make you club captain as well. So then uh, before we move on from that game, Leicester, pretty disappointing result for them, especially as we mentioned, going ahead with Tillemans so early on as well. You're thinking they can really push on from here. And I suppose the really disappointing part for them, not only was the result, but of course the injuries to come out of it, and most notably Harvey Barnes going in for knee surgery. Do do we know if he did his ACL? Or I, I I believe so, but... No, this, I, don't, I don't think he's done his ACL because they're talking only six weeks. So, it's not bad. No. So Could maybe have been a lot worse. Med- maybe it's a medial. <clears throat> maybe it's not... Uh, I don't think it's an ACL. It can't be. Right. If it's an ACL, it would be six months minimum, not six yeah. weeks. Yeah. So that's, that's certainly better news than, than, than probably first thought. Um, Leicester, you know, Leicester are a concern. Um, they've got some great players, but they get a few injuries. Jamie Vardy's certainly not uh, firing on all cylinders, carrying a few injuries. Um, James Madison out of the side, injured. That's always a big worry for them. They sort of seem to lose that creativity without him. Um, they certainly don't have the same sort of firepower when Jamie Vardy's not 100% fit or not playing, of course. Um, and now Harvey Barnes, who added something different. He had that bit of an X factor. Quick, explosive, really good ball control, good finish. Um, but unbelievably quick. So, yeah, I think they're going to really miss him. And I'm super glad as well for Gareth Southgate in particular as well, knowing that it's just six weeks because you'd think he'd be certainly in their plans for the Euros. You would, you would imagine so. He'd certainly be one that would be highlighted. Um, mm. And again, you know, it's a bit of a, a well, it certainly is a setback for him in, in terms of opportunities and for the national team. He really would have needed to have had the opportunity. I think it was in, in March next, uh, in this month sometime, there's internationals. Yeah given the opportunity then to, to try and stake a claim. Um, he's probably, if he's going to be selected, it's going to be selected on the basis of his league form. And that's it, because it's not going to be much time to, to show Gareth Southgate what he's capable of in England shirt. Unless he's brought in as, as you know, the initial squad and played in a couple of friendlies before the, the, um, the squad for the Euros is announced. Only time will tell. So let's hope he gets back fit um, really quickly. And then, and then really gets back to playing really well again. And then all of a sudden, uh, Gareth Southgate has some serious questions to, to answer. So, Mark, I want you to say right now, I think off the top of your head, what's your favourite standalone cult film? Like a, just a bit of a once-off classic. Um, what's my favourite classic film? Like a Step Brothers? I know that you, you're a fan yeah, of that. I, I am a fan of it. Is, <laughs> is it my favourite? All, I mean, all-time favourite. It's, it's up there. Um, um, Anchorman, the original one, that's certainly up there. Okay, um, that, actually, let's stick with the, that, that. That is perfect. So, what did you make of the sequel? Did it live uh, up to your bang expectations? Average. Bang average, okay. yeah, by comparison. Yeah, they tried too hard in the end, it was nowhere near funny. Um, the other one I thought was uh, that I also loved is uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, okay. Oh, that's certainly, let's just leave that one where it is. But yeah. I think uh, what's interesting, and the reason why I bring this up, don't worry, it does have a purpose. I haven't lost my mind completely. Um, your sort of review of Anchorman 2 is very much like how Gareth Bale's career at Tottenham was, was looking for a period there, where we thought the sequel, unfortunately, just wasn't working. But in fact, what's happened is Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd have worked out how to write a better script. And then all of a sudden, we are back, back to the first one. And it, it looks just as good. Yeah, but come on, it's one game. Two? It's, <laughs> Settle no, down. It's one game where he's played a full game and, and played really well. In the Prem, but in terms of he, he also, you know, featured in Europe and, and he was bloody good. 
Yeah, I'm not convinced yet. I mean, the, the, the other bizarre thing is his agent coming out and saying he's winding down. He's at the end of his career. Yeah. I mean, is he not seriously concerned about, well, he's obviously not concerned about it, finding him another co- contract somewhere. I think he's still got another year in his contract in Madrid. Yeah. Probably, he probably thinks, well, there's no way anyone's going to be able to take over that contract. So he's either going out and loan somewhere again, or he's going to fulfill the last year of his contract in Madrid just as a, as a squad player again, or maybe even a player that's not even in the squad. Who knows? Um, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, like I, I was seriously, you know, seriously thought that has he, has, has the, have the injuries been so much now? The fact that he's been injured so often, have they taken so much of an effect on him physically? Then he hadn't played for a long, long time. So that, that turnaround of coming back into playing football week in, week out, training at a level, playing each week, that demand is, is huge. So I was seriously questioning whether or not physically he's able to, to reach those levels again. I mean, we saw it with Alexis Sanchez at Arsenal, a lot of injuries in the end. Um, he wasn't quite the same player. So Arsenal, were, I thought, were very fortunate to, to, to move him on. Man United was a disaster. Um, an incredibly expensive disaster. And he's only, he's, he sort of kind of has cameos in Italy. So he's a player that, that, that really, and, and, and I was wondering whether that, that is that Gareth, uh, Gareth, sorry, Gareth Bale. Is that him? Is he a, a player now that's just going to be cameos? Um, or is he going to be still, is he able to get back to consistently being a phenomenal player again? So you're saying don't get too excited. Spurs fans, not, not, not yet. No, not yet. No, I don't think anyone can get too excited. I mean, it was funny because last week we talked about, you know, um, Gareth Bale, the way he was playing or not playing, the levels he was showing, and he would struggle physically and, and, and to play, you know, the way he was in, any, in most leagues around the world. And I, and I saw some comments during the, during the week about people saying that the A-League's absolute... I mean, I just said about the physicalities. You know, you have to be physically very strong, very fit to be able to play. There's no questioning in the ability and then how he would be in mm. ability-wise. It's whether physically he'd be able to keep up. Um, and people jumped on it. Oh, you know, what is he talking about? I don't know, no clue. Gareth Bale would walk through playing in the A-League, which is, if Gareth Bale played like he did on the weekend, of course he would. He wouldn't even go there. That, that's not even, a, not even a thought. But it was talking about ref, referencing his inability to perform at the highest level when he came on. The way he played against um, uh, Brighton when he started the game. I mean, he was... It was a shadow of himself. Mm. Yeah. And, and one, you know, one angle to look at that would be the fact that now he's being selected to play, so there's confidence, and he's playing in the same side now all of a sudden as Son and Kane, which is super exciting to see, and that hopefully is part of the renaissance. Let's hope he can back it up. Let's yeah. hope he's, he's fit to play again next weekend. Let's hope it's not, he picks up something else during the week because off the back of playing a, a consecutive games. And that, that's the only worry for someone like for Gareth Bale. You know, he's been out so often over the, over the last couple of seasons, played so little football. That's the biggest worry. All right, uh, Mark, let's talk about Chelsea, Man United, Neil Lock. <laughs> Sorry. Um, let's talk about che- what are they, where are they? Chelsea, Man United. <laughs> hey, mate, you right? Are you okay? Sorry, I was just remembering the Chelsea, Man United game. Um, if that was... Do you ever think, if you've never seen a game of football before, and you watch a particular game for the first time, you'd think, why does anyone like this? I honestly think that. Yeah, but at least Chelsea were trying things. Man United didn't even try anything. They just sat back and waited for the counter every now. They were doing the thing that that Chelsea used to do and everyone used to be so critical of. Yeah, yeah. Um, But at least they would score one goal and then do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Listen, I think think in in the middle of the park and defensively, Chelsea have got things going in the right direction. You know, they're, they're, you know, Kante being back, um, which is interesting. I looked up, I looked up the name Kante, the pronounce, pronunciations of Kante. Right. And in English, it's Kante. And in French, it's, it's, it's Conte. You know, there's some commentators who say Conte and yeah. others say Kante. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I have. Yeah. So for that reason alone, I thought, well, I've got to look this up because it has to be to do with the pronunciation. It must be the French version of it. And as it is, it is the French version of it. So on, on pronunciations, would you go, yeah. if you're commentating in English, would you pronounce it in French, how the French would say it, or would you pronounce it as an English version? Well, the way I'd answer that is 
the reason why I would always pronounce him Kante was because he was there, obviously, at the same time as Conte, their manager. And I remember yes. not wanting to confuse, you know, to, to have a bit of a, you know... Did you know that it was pronounced as Conte? Didn't know that. No, I assumed yeah. it would be Kante, didn't it? Yeah, really. so the English, the English version of it would be Kante. It's a stupid language, English, isn't it? We just don't yeah. know what's going on. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone has, this, everyone has their own versions of it. So, like, it's the same as my surname in German, and Schwarzer, and in English, it's Schwarzer. Schwarzer? I yeah. didn't know that at all. You didn't know that at all. See, it's Short, very Sorry, and, Schwartz and is way better. <laughs> yeah, but see, I, I'm, I'm very pragmatic about it. So I go, well, if someone's speaking English, I'm absolutely, I'm Schwarzer. Because if someone says Schwarzer to me in English, yeah. I, 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 I she cringe a little bit and I think, oh, that's so weird. Yeah. But in German, obviously people call me Herr Schwarzer or Mark Schwarzer. <sighs> so, and that, that's very normal for me. That, that's absolutely fine. That's fine. I've got yeah. no issues with that. So... I, I don't know. That's how I sort of sure. approach it. Okay. And so where were we going with this? Yeah, oh, yeah, no, Chelsea. Just, yeah, Chelsea. So, yeah, Kante, <laughs> Conte being back in midfield yeah. um, is, is huge for them. I think he's, he's, a, he's a massive player. And he's doing more of a disciplined, more sitting role, um, not expecting to get back, sorry, get forward and get on the end of things, the edge of the box. He's capable of doing it, but I think it detracts a little bit away from his, from his you know, the strengths that he possesses. And that's really about, you know, bossing midfield, you know, interceptions, winning balls back, um, cutouts, um, getting the ball. And he can, he can play, you know, you know, very direct passes. He can play some really good balls. But generally speaking, he's, he's pretty standard about giving and going, giving and going. And he does that really, really well. So uh, I, I like what I see there. I think defensively with the back three, they're, they're far more solid, um, I think, uh, in goals. Mendy's, Mendy's, you know, settled down. He's, he's playing some, some decent stuff. He made a decent save on the weekend. Um, defensively, Chelsea look good. It's going forward, which, believe it or not, it's funny enough, is the area where they have an issue at the moment. When, when you would thought at the beginning of the season, that's, you know, the amount of goals they were scoring, that's the least of their issues. The issues was trying mm. to keep, keep clean sheets. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it'll come with Chelsea. I've got no doubt. They've got the ability. They've got the players up front to... To, to you know to, to basically start firing goals in a game and I, I, for that reason I, I believe they actually finished in the top four really big call massive why they're fifth at the moment why is it a big call because it, I mean the top six itself yeah it's... no, no, no but I, I just think overall if you look man for man the size of the squad um, I think the manager he's, he's getting, they're getting better and better they're finding their feet um, he's understanding the league better and better he's understanding his players more and um, they're understanding him more. And I think Chelsea will get better and better. And I think, um, I think you know, the top four for me is obviously goes without saying Man City. And I think Man United will finish in top four. I don't think that's an issue. And I also still believe, I think Chelsea and both, both Liverpool and Chelsea will finish in the top four as well. So Leicester's dropping out. I West so, Ham's yeah. nicking off. Listen, West Ham, phenomenal season. Absolutely yeah. phenomenal what they've done. And it'd be amazing if, I, if they proved me wrong. You know, it'd be amazing. Uh, I'd yeah. love it. But I just don't see it. I just don't see them having the legs to stay up there. Everton are too inconsistent. On their day, they can beat anyone. And on, on another day, they can lose to anyone. And, and they will, you know. And, and that's the thing. That's pretty much been the story of their season. Um, Leicester have got a really bad run in them. And I think now is the time it's going to happen. So uh, just quickly, you touched on uh, Thomas Tuchel sort of feeling a little bit more comfortable, uh, comfortable and confident. Uh, comfortable, I said there, yeah. which is a nice little mashup of it. I, I like the way you <laughs> yeah. combined the two of them. That was brilliant. Yeah, comfortable. Um, his comments on Tammy Abraham, who was left out of the squad, he said, at the moment, he's only struggling with my decision and we have a strong squad. Pretty ominous words for old uh, Tammy Abraham. Yeah, it's tough, you know. He's a confident young man. You can see the way he plays in terms of he's very emotional on the football pitch, quite demanding his teammates around him. Um, and he's had a really good first season in the league last season. He's been in and out of the side a lot this season, so it's, it's been a bit more uh, harder going for him. And for the manager, obviously, the, I don't know, the manager makes a decision, player gets upset about it, confronts him. He goes, hang on a second. You're a young kid who's just played a handful of games, really, in the grand scheme of things. I'm the boss. I make the decisions. 
and there's a little bit of clashing of heads at the moment and there's only one winner in that regard you know mm. and and um that that's how i read it i don't i don't know if that's for sure that's just how i read read that off the back of those comments um so it'd be interesting to see how that plays out and uh and thomas Tuchel will just do what he wants to do because he's the boss and he wants to stamp his authority um, he's been very pally pally with a lot of the players, but he's also capable enough to be very ruthless, as he showed with Callum Hudson and Doy you know, mm. the other week. Tammy would be one hell of a player for someone to get on loan. You know, if, if Giroud and Werner and some of these guys are, you know, that's who he's going to go for next season. Imagine that. T- Tammy yeah. would be a ripping player to get. I, I, I definitely think they need three. I, I don't think, you know, if, if, if Tammy Abraham goes, they're going to be bringing someone else. Mm. I, I can't see them going just with the two. Um, they're going to need they're going to need more firepower in that regard. They're going to need more cover. So I mean, Giroud for me, listen, he's what thirty four years old. What a player he still is. Mm. And for me, I, I would one hundred percent keep him at the club. Um, be interested to see if they do, but he's certainly worth keeping. Um, the question is whether he wants to stay. Whether he he's happy to be that player that is is rotated quite often. Also, more often than not, the one that kind of misses out. Um, and, and maybe that's what Tammy Abraham needs to, to, to take a leaf out of uh, Giroud's book, you know, and say, you know what, this guy, what has he done, how he's sucked it up, yeah. got on with it, and every time he's given an opportunity, he just bangs the goals in. And ultimately what happens then is you, you start scoring goals, the manager has no choice other than to play you. Mark, it's time uh, for the return of my favourite segment and yours, uh, VAR out. Uh, it's been a while since we've, we've VAR'd out. Uh, of course, the most entertaining and, and controversial moment of that game between Chelsea and Manchester United was the uh, penalty decision or the, the decision that, you know, that wasn't a penalty. Um, but in particular, Luke Shaw's comments afterwards, who said, the ref even said to Harry Maguire that if I say it's a pen, then it's going to cause a lot of talk afterwards. Harry got told that it was a penalty. Now, that is a pretty extraordinary claim. It is. But it more, even more interestingly is that today Manchester United released a statement to say, actually, Luke Shaw is heard incorrectly because the referee didn't say that to Harry Maguire. Mm. Oops. That so, feels like... Uh, do you, are we believing that, though? That feels like a bit of shh. Come on, Luke. Well, maybe. Maybe. Who cares? But ultimately, they pulled their head in a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, and the referee has, has made the decision. And listen, as a... As a, as a um, someone who wants Chelsea to do well, never, never in a million years a penalty. But then, sure. I, listen, I think it's one of those ones. I, I, I think it can go either way. Having seen it, yeah, when you, when you, when you actually see the still shot, it's Greenwood's got his hand around. Hudson-Odoi's got his hand above Green, Greenwood, pointed outward. They both got their arms out. And he can't move out of the way in the end because Greenwood's actually moves his arm and it lifts his arm up. That's not to say it's not a handball. And, and it is in a bit of a, an awkward position. Um, I think it would have been very, very harsh to give it. But then I would have said, yeah, okay, I understand. Yeah, handball. Fine. Referees made that decision. But I also can understand why he didn't give it. Um, mm. So it's one of, for me, it's one of those ones. It's not a clear-cut one. No matter how many times you slow it down, yes, you could freeze frame and go, yeah, it's touch his hand, it's handball. By, by, direct, by directly... Analyze it and go, yeah, the ball's touched his hand, his hand's in that sort of area, 100% a handball. So I, I think it can be interpreted so many ways. Isn't it interesting, though, that then when you hear Tuchel and then Solskjaer, they are both super confident. So in particular, Solskjaer said, yep, 100% nailed on pen. Absolutely, I've seen it back. It's a penalty. Well, and then Thomas Tuchel, Tuchel goes... Tuchel was oh. great because he actually said he didn't touch it at all. Yes. Tuchel said it wasn't him. He said it was a Man United player. I've seen it on the, I've seen it on the iPad. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. It was like, and he not, said it was such a, he said it was such a straight face as well. It was brilliant. It was it was a masterclass, masterclass of deception by Tuchel. Won't be long. Back to Ollie and Mark in just 15 seconds. If you enjoy Two Sharp Reds, though, make sure you search Geg and Pod wherever you get your podcasts. David Weiner is joined by thousands of games of experience both on and off the field. It's a great listen. G-E-G-E-N-P-O-D. The Geg and Pod. Okay, back to Two Sharp Reds. Halftime drinks here are the Two Sharp Reds. Uh, Mark, it's been a common theme here on the Two Sharp Reds that we'll come up with an idea then forget it 
or we'll come up with an idea, then it fizzles out and we just let it, you know, uh, let it go. I think most notably uh, the one that we decided we would you know, attempt it didn't quite work out was uh, to share that bottle of, of the um, Spanish red wine with Arteta that Arsenal had uh, advertised. Haven't heard back. So look, I'm not saying it's dead in the water completely, but I've put you know, my feelers out and I haven't heard back. But I had an idea the other day Oh dear. That I think we're in more of a control with. And okay. so it's up to you. I mean, obviously it's up to, you know, this is a team effort here, but whether or not we're definitely going to pursue it or whether or not it just needs to stay in the halftime drinks and then we'll never bring it up ever again. Your thoughts on a two sharp reds wine. As our in own bottle. Our own bottle. Have you done some research into this? Well, we, we know that the, uh, of see, the, the minute, no, 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 the no, minute, no, no. The minute you go, well, yeah. No, that I can't, was, I can't that, even get my voice that high. No, I was thinking, we know uh, Tom Jonas and uh, um, Brad Ebert from Port Adelaide and their involvement in creating Hey Diddle Wines in the, the Barossa Valley. I'm thinking, you know, a bit of a one-off special, you know, they do different combinations as well. We know that so like they, like a bit of, bit of Super Tea, bit of Shiraz, bit of Cab Sav. Mix it all together. I'm thinking, I like the idea of trying to get a, a special t- Two Sharp Reds Optus wine. It's just like a one-off batch even. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And I think the way we should, should sort of approach it as well is we've got to be there. We've got to go there. Yep. And, and be there with the guys, go through the process if, if we can get that far with it. And, um, and let's do a podcast when we're there as well. Film it yeah. a little bit. Let's make a bit of a, 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 bit of a show out of it. So you, are you saying you're in? Oh, yeah, I'm in. Two-footed. So, yeah? Yeah. Two-footed yeah. right into the Battle of Grapes? I, I, I'm doing a Kevin Musket all day long. Okay. We're in. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is exciting. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, uh, all right. So, we've got two options. We can outsource uh, maybe somewhere in Europe because that's obviously easy uh, for, for us. Or we do all the, you know, stick to the, the hard yards from behind the scenes. And then when we're ready, we can go to Adelaide with the Hey Diddle Boys and yeah. get involved there. So, there, there are two options at the moment. All right then, Mark. Well, I'll keep on top of that and we'll come back this time next week in Halftime Drinks and we'll reveal to everyone if it's going to go ahead or not. Um, when I say go ahead, whether or not we're going to pursue it. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, if, we've, if we've got the energy to muster up. But uh, that reminds me when talking about Europe, it's time to take a quick trip to Germany because I've got to ask uh, Schalke, uh, they were at, that we put them under the, you know, magnifying glass for a little while there really weren't we and we thought geez we know they they didn't uh break tasmania berlin's all-time losing record thank goodness that's intact for the boys but they have lost on the weekend 5-1 to stuttgart um can you give the, the good people of the two shut reds who who don't watch enough bundesliga what's going on are if they you're not watching Bundesliga, what's wrong with you? If you're not watching Bundesliga, it's very entertaining. And listen, look because at Schalke. Because it's, it. it's not on Optus Sport, mate. Yeah, you're That's right. Why. You're right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Come Sorry. on, company man. Anyway, Schalke, what a, what a, what a comedy fest that is. Um, the club is in complete disarray. It's over 200 million euros in debt. It's, it's hanging on for its life. Um, it's on nine points. But believe it or not, it's only nine points away from a relegation playoff spot. So it's not all lost. Even though they've been so bad, there are still enough games left for them to get themselves out of the, out of the deep, 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 deep hole that they're in. But it's not going to happen, is it? No. They've just sacked their fifth manager. And along with him, all his coaching staff have gone. Uh, director of football, team manager's gone. My, one of my old teammates, Sasha Ritha, who was the team manager, he's gone as well. Um, yeah. And, and allegedly it all came about not only because of the performances and the results, but also there's been a bit of a player revolt. Really? Yes. That's, I mean, that, that, these, are the, these are the stories that are coming out of, out of Germany, out of Schalke. Um, and uh, funny enough, two ex-Arsenal players were, were named as being at the front of that uh, unrest and also going to, to the club and saying that the manager needs to change and change. So I'm assuming you know. Mustafi and Kolasinac? Yes, yes. They're the two that have been named in the press and they're the two that have uh, supposedly um, been, been 
unhappy with the manager. He apparently was mistaking the opponent's names, giving the wrong names. Oh, tactically, apparently, the claim is that tactically he was really poor, um, outdated, um, and uh, yeah, they struggled. And they, they, the coaching, the training was terrible. So the players felt that to have any chance of staying in the league, they need to to make a change and make a change now. Huge that it's those two names, considering that Kolasinac at this stage is on a loan and Mustafi is on a, a just a short term contract as well. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's you know, listen, it's these are these are allegations at the moment, so no one, um, it's not it's not hundred percent confirmed, and obviously the, you know, the players themselves are going to come out and probably deny it. They're not going to say anything. They're not going to confirm it. That's for sure. Even if it were true, um, but yeah, they're they're in an absolute dire situation and. I just don't see them getting out of it. So then away from the financial side and the, the, the disarray that you've mentioned there, on the field, who's had a worse season, Schalke or Sheffield United? Of course, Sheffield United on 11 points. Yeah, no, Schalke. Schalke. Really? Yeah, no, don't, don't, have to, don't even have to finish it. Yeah, listen, Sheffield United will come back. They'll bounce back. They, they won't go into financial meltdown. You know, I'm sure that uh, my understanding is they're very well run um, financially in a very healthy position. Um, they've not, you know, they've not uh, tried to punch above their weight. They've done incredibly well, uh, been, been very disciplined and very clever in the, in the way that they've dealt with their finances. Schalke, on the other hand, have been just negligent the way they've done it. And I know that uh, the fans are, are absolutely uh, in uproar about it. And the club is... Like I said, it couldn't be any more dire than the situation they're in right now. Okay, Mark, a bit of a tasteless transition here, but I thought it was a really great opportunity that we have a round of applause. Uh, not for Schalke, mind you, um, but friend of the show here on the Two Shot Reds, friend of the nation uh, and a friend of Serbia in, in Milos Steganek has played his, uh, always had his 100th appearance for the club, Red Star Belgrade. So I just thought it was a really great opportunity to say congratulations. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, great, great uh, achievement for him. Yeah, massive, massive club in Serbia. One of the biggest clubs uh, around. Obviously, he was a, was a European great uh, for a while there as well. So, yeah, it's good to see him being a regular. Um, so, yeah, well done. Um, but you know what? They're, they're every, every season, they find themselves there or thereabouts. A couple of seasons before, they found themselves in the Champions League, which was a huge accomplishment in the, in the group stages. And uh, found myself going over to, to Red Star, uh, Belgrade, watch a game uh, there for the game against Spurs and got a chance to catch up with Milos uh, the next day, which was really, really interesting, really cool. And he took a lot, a lot of time out to, to make us feel welcome. And um, you know, it was great fun to catch up with him. What do you think uh, his next move will be? Will he sort of stay at that level, do you think, for the foreseeable future? Or has he got sort of another well, biggish move in him? Well, I know he's def- he'd love to, to try something at a higher level. I mean, I'm, and I say that with the most respect, like playing outside the, the Serbian league, maybe in Germany, maybe in the UK. Um, but it's tough, you know, and even tougher now because of the pandemic. Uh, yeah. It's a lot more difficult, you, you know, with uh, Britain leaving the EU is also even more difficult. Uh, for for players to come in from abroad, so um, you know what he's just got to keep playing and playing as well as he possibly can, and hope there's an opportunity opens up for him um, where maybe he's able to to further his career. Okay, Mark, let's wind things up here. Wind things up here on the two shot reds. Geez, I'm on fire today, and I don't mean Mate, it. Unbelievable. Must you know the, when must, you're in this, must must the, the red wine, the red wine, and uh, the lemon lemon fancy you're having. I don't know what. It, like I think I should buy a lottery ticket. You know, some days things are just clicking, and you can't explain it. And you just right. go, "I'm going to have to get a lottery ticket, just really? in case." Well, okay. imagine that. I think you'd, there'd be a good kitty at the Bermuda uh, lottery as well, wouldn't it? Have, have you looked right. it up yet? Have you? Have, no, have no. You there it will be though. There All will right. be. It'll be, be unreal. Track free. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but no, you're right. There's something about uh, the Tinto di Verano, which is the, the recipe I've gone for, which is, of course, a, a, a decent Cab Sav mixed with a, a lemon Fanta. I don't think I've had the lemon Fanta on its own yet, but uh, that doesn't bother me too much, to be honest. But I liked it. I really liked it. Uh, of course, you know, we're, we're leaving summer in Australia, but it'll still be you know, pretty warm for a little while. So if you find yourself on a nice hot day, um, and Mark's been saying it for a long time now, but I'm finally back on board, or on board, I should say, not back on board. Uh, I, I like it. It's a it's a good 
substitute when you, you want a red, but you're just not in the mood to sit by fire, obviously. <laughs> I love it when you do that. Just take a moment. Uh, would you like me to, to do my player first and then you do your one? Or... Yeah, okay. As I've said, it's, a, it's a, a new type of wine that I'm having today. Not necessarily the bottle itself, but the way I'm having it and the flavours that I'm experiencing or the emotions that I'm having. Uh, for, for me, trying this, this wine with Fanta was a surprising move. Um, surprising because I didn't know a lot about it, but also surprising that I liked it. Super unorthodox in terms of what we're taught about red wine. So uh, unorthodox really comes to mind. It's very sweet. Um, it is quite sweet, um, mainly coming from, I'm assuming, the sugar from the, the Fanta. But it's a really refreshing change of pace. So for me, this player was surprising because I didn't know anything about him when he came into the league. And he surprised me with how good he is. He's very unorthodox in terms of the way he looks and approaches the game. But he has just gone from strength to strength throughout the season. He's a very sweet man. Uh, comes across like a, a really, really decent guy. Um, and even though he's, he's hard as nails, I just get the feeling he's, he always has, has a laugh. He's brilliant in his post-match interviews. And I think he's a real, it comes across really sweet and a really refreshing change of pace to have someone of that nature. We've seen him a few times in recent weeks as well. Um, attack the ball with his head, big clash, blood everywhere, gets up, smiling face, just carries on. So he's a great change of pace. Uh, and for that, I'm going for West Ham's Thomas Sukacek. Yeah. Okay. That uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. He's been good though, hasn't he? Yeah, he's been he's very super good. exciting. I love him. Yeah, no, no, he's a very good player. He's done really, really well. And I love the fact that when Slavia Pride knocked Leicester out, they WhatsApped him on the pitch. What a legend. Call. Yeah, yeah. Video WhatsApp call. It was brilliant. Yeah, 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 it was so hilarious. That's brilliant. Well, I'm going to do a little bit different this time around. So normally, you know, go through the wine, describe it a little bit, but I'm going to name the name. I'm going to name the player right off the bat. Fabian Rochenbach. So Brazilian player who played at Sporting Lisbon, played against him the very first time when he was playing for Sporting Lisbon in the Europa League. Absolutely tore a new proverbial out of us. He was brilliant on the ball, off the ball. His movement, um, striking the ball was, was, was phenomenal. Um, just like this wine, it's a bumper vintage. He was a vintage player for, for Sporting Lisbon. And we ended up signing him, Middlesbrough. And, uh, you know, he was a player that you thought, hopefully there's a lot left over in the tank for him. As with this wine, there was a lot of leftover fruit from a bumper vintage. That's how this wine actually came into fruition. Mount Difficulty, Roaring Meg, Pinot Noir 2019, Central Ortego. Um, so he was a player that, uh, like I said, he then made that transition coming from Sporting Lisbon to Middlesbrough. Found the going a little bit tough at times. Um, the pace of the game wasn't anywhere near as technical, didn't have the same technical players around him. Uh, had some, but nowhere near as, as many of them. So found that the, the going a little bit tough, only saw glimpses of, of that, that, that uh, sort of vintage that he had, his, his ability he had on the ball. Um, and it wasn't probably till right at the end that we kind of really started to see it. And by then it was probably a little bit too late in terms of his, his um, um, uh, opportunities to stay at the club. Um, but he was someone, like I said, phenomenal player on his day and scored some, some brilliant goals, um, not only for Sporting Lisbon, but also scored for, for Middlesbrough. Um, this, this, this one was made to drink young, this wine. Um, so when he was at Sporting, he was a lot younger. He was probably hit his heights then. So therefore, he was probably someone that, had we got a couple of years earlier, sooner, we probably would have got more out of him. Um, but I don't think necessarily the fit was right at Middlesbrough. Um, however, this wine is certainly a good fit. I, I've really enjoyed it. It's my favourite Pinot Noir, the version of it. But this is a little bit different in terms of it packs more fruit. It's a bit fruitier, a little bit more flavoursome. Um, and you can see it's something special, as with Fabian Rochenbach. had something special every time. And um, there was always a hint of spice, one way or the other. Last game of the season, we beat Manchester City 8-1. And Fabian Rochenbach um, was as his last game for the club, as it was with me. Um, uh, and he was, he was brilliant. He's got a fantastic free kick um, and that, on that day as well. So, yeah, all I can say is this red wine reminds me completely of Fabian Rochenbach. Um, difficult, 
mountain difficulty. He was difficult at times to play against. He was difficult to, to have as a teammate at times because of his frustrations. His command of the language wasn't particularly great. Um, but on his day, was a was a, a proper vintage player. And let's not forget, made a fair few appearances for Barcelona as well. So if he you're did. doing that, you don't worry about you. You know, you've had a good exactly. career. Exactly. No, I like it. And I like uh, the change of format as well, Mark. It's all, we're all about support, you know, supporting each other and trying different things. When I said I was going to do it differently, I saw your response. You weren't well, having it initially. No, you, you know it. why. And cool. you know why? Because I bet you it's a tactic that you used because you didn't feel like you had enough to compare him to. So if you say the player first and then work no. backwards, it's like showing no. you're working. No. <laughs> oh, look, you, you have, you've gone back to being a 12-year-old today. <laughs> oh, as if. No way, man. Look, on that note, uh, you're not 12. Uh, you're old enough to, to have oh. one, so that's fine. Uh, Mark, a big cheers to you. Uh, and to big you. Ga- big, big games throughout the week, which is very exciting. And, of course, uh, keep in touch with the Gagan pod, guys. Um, for not you know, so much the, the entertainment value, would you say, but certainly for the information. Yeah, you know, no, no, they're, yeah. they're a bit more the serious guys, yeah. yeah. They leave us to be a bit messing about more and a bit, a bit more yeah. fun. Let's be honest. Yeah. We're, the fun, we're the fun group and they're the, I think so. um, the serious group. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I think they'll, they'll be happy with that. So, yeah, they'll be all over the week's uh, Premier League news. So, until next week, and then hopefully we'll find out if we're going to pursue careers as winemakers. Uh, a big cheers to you, Mark. And to you, mate. Look forward to it, and I hope that comes into fruition. Cheers. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.